Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for Friday, April 7th, and it's brought to you by our friends at Adelphi Racing Club. As many of you know, I'm a member of this club as well as a guy who uh, reads ads for them. I've had an amazing experience and I'm very pleased to be welcoming back to the In The Money Airwaves as I, PTF, sit here in the Brooklyn bunker, Matt Cater of Adelphi Racing. Matt, how are things? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Exciting weekend ahead on a lot of fronts. So It really is. And normally, a normal week, you know, a normal uh, Friday in, in April like we are, I would have called this the Keeneland opening day show. And we'll get to that. We've got, what are we talking about? This loaded uh, stakes card at Keeneland on Friday. But it just seemed like the perfect time to have you back on to also talk. Not only do you have a runner at Keeneland opening day, but you've got you know, this is really the turning of the corner, the aqua spring meet really beginning as well with the return of the turf season and some Adelphi participation in there. Before we get into the specifics, let's talk about the, the generalities of what the latest news is with Adelphi Racing Club. Are you currently looking for uh, new investors? Uh, what's sort of the state of the union? Yeah, no, I mean, this is an exciting time of year, you know, from an ownership perspective, you know, we've got a lot of horses that we gave winter breaks to that are coming back that are, you know, sort of eyeing starts in April or, you know, perhaps early on in the Belmont meet in, in, in the early to mid part of May. Um, so we've got a lot of action on tap, including, um, you know, the four races, uh, the four horses this weekend, one actually today on Thursday as well. Um, but from a, a new offering perspective, we just closed a private purchase and claiming partnership. So we're actively looking for horses for that now. So I know a lot of the partners that got involved with that are excited about the process. We've actually identified our first horse. We'll see if we can uh, can get a deal done privately for for him. Um, but outside of that, you know, this is the start of the, the two-year-old sales season. We picked a, a, a nice two-year-old filly up uh, at the uh, OBS March sale. We'll be active at OBS April as well. So um, there'll be a lot of opportunities, I think, probably over the next, you know, four to six weeks, uh, you know, if we get lucky. Uh, and happen to win some of the uh, some of the auctions uh, that take place uh, at the various sales, you know, between Florida and Maryland and whatnot. So it's a it's a good time of year. What is the best way for people looking to get more information about what goes on at the sales? You can always go to our website, uh, DelphiRacing.com, and reach out to us there. But uh, probably the easiest way is just to to email me directly, and I'm just Matt M A T T at AdelphiRacing.com. Excellent. And, you know, we've had lots of members of the team on the various shows. And and I just have to say, I'm super impressed by the the communication level, by the, the professionalism. It's just been it's been a great experience and something that I'm looking forward to continuing to participate in this year as well. Let's get to some specifics. This is a really interesting um, race that comes up here on Friday at Aqueduct, the seventh race, this uh, distaff handicap. And there's some very, very familiar names in here, including Pasta Champagne, who we've talked about a lot on these airwaves. Gerrymander turns up in here. Rosa Veloce, a horse that's uh, come up over the years a lot. And one that we've talked about extensively, especially in visits with you and the team, Matt. Funny how getting a chance to see if this win streak can be extended. When you are looking at a race as an owner, do you look at it exactly the same as as a handicapper? Like, where does your process begin? Let's start there. Yeah, no, I try to look at it basically the same way as I would look at, you know, any race just from a handicapping perspective, because, you know, that allows me to be a bit more grounded about it and hopefully a little less biased. Uh, you know, so I, I, I do the same things. I look for, you know, uh, what what is the pace scenario going to be? You know, is there a, 
potential loan speed like there probably is in this race, candidly, um, you know, things like that. And then, you know, I move, you know, to the form of the individual horses and I try to figure out, you know, who I would bet. Um, I mean, I guess the only, you know, caveat or difference, I would say, you know, between how I would look at a race to handicap versus how I would look at a race as an owner is I'm, I'm less concerned with the odds, right? right? So, you know, from a handicapping perspective, I'm trying to, you know, find horses that are underlays or overlays or things like that to, to extract value against, um, you know, from an ownership perspective, all I really care about is, you know, does my horse have a chance to win? You know, where do we fit? You know, those sorts of things. But other than that, you know, I'm looking at the same things. I'm looking at pace scenarios. I'm looking at the form of the horses, um, you know, and, and obviously looking at the conditions and everything else you would look at, you know, from a handicapping standpoint. You alluded to the pace scenario in here. Rosa Veloce on Timeform US pace figures is dead loose and has been in extremely good form lately. What do you when you see her in here, does that affect your strategy at all from the jump? Like what what do you what do you make of from a tactical point of view a horse like Rosa Veloce who it seems to have an edge? Yeah, I mean I look I think that this is a horse that's in very good form. I mean, she's seven for thirteen at Aqueduct. Um, you know, she's won four of her last five races. Her loan loss was to Union Lake, who's a really nice mare uh, herself. Um, she, like you said, seems to have a very clear pace edge in here. Um, there was some extra horses kind of added into this race last minute. And, um, you know, when I when I saw that, I was like actively looking to see that hopefully maybe one of them was like cheaper speed that could give her a little bit of a uh, uh, pressure up front. And unfortunately, you know, the, the folks that did come in a little bit last minute, um, you know, aren't necessarily speed horses. So it wasn't lucky there. So, I mean, I, look, I think she's going to take a lot of beating. I mean, you know, Rob Atris is, is on a roll right now. She's great, you know, at Aqueduct, she's in form and she has the pace edge. I think the question for her, to, to me, this was kind of a four horse race and all four horses had, you know, edges to them, but they also had question marks to me. Her alone question mark is the seven furlongs. So, you know, I think we just got to hope that we break a bit better than we did last time. Um, you know, typically funny how has good tactical speed in her races. Last time we just got unlucky that her head was turned right as they sprung the latch on the gates. And, you know, she broke a bit sluggishly. She was able to overcome it. But, you know, certainly in a race like this, you know, we're going to want to be sitting a little bit closer to what should be a relatively soft pace with, you know, Rosa Veloce on a loose lead. Um, you know, we want to at least give ourselves a chance to run her down. And, you know, the hope, I guess, would be that, you know, once she gets into that last half furlong or so, um, that she gets a little bit leg weary and, you know, hopefully we can you know, kind of get her at the wire. But I think she has a huge pace edge in here for sure. Does that mean like tactically, how much, how involved do you get or do you leave that completely to the trainers in terms of giving the jockey advice? I mean, just just the stuff you just said there to me it might affect a rider to, and that exact idea that, you know, the vulnerability may turn up late. We don't have to, you don't want to be too far back, obviously, but you also don't have to, you know, go hammering tongs at this one's throat from early on if you think there could be a vulnerability in that last furlong do you do you pass that info along or do you do you sort of let the, the the pros deal with that i mean look in general we let the pros deal with what they deal with you know i mean I, i'm a big believer and you've got to you know you've got to trust your trainer um you know you you've hired them um you know because you believe that they have the ability to to do good things with your horses you know to then you know question them or you know, start offering advice about, you know, tactics or things like that, you know, to me, it just sort of flies in the face of, you know, what would be smart to do, you know, as an owner. So I, you know, I'll let Ray make those types of decisions in terms of what he's going to say, you know, to Katie. I think the great news as it relates to this race and this horse is that we have Katie on the horse. You know, Katie has, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but Katie, 
basically when she she had her kid and she came back to riding, um, she worked in Ray's barn essentially all spring and summer long last year. And she was, you know, funny how sort of regular morning rider. So she knows this filly better than anybody. Um, she's been on her in the last couple of starts. She's done a phenomenal job with a bad situation in the last start of navigating a trip. Um, yep. You know, Katie's going to ride the filly the right way. I'm, I'm, I'm entirely confident in that. I was happy that we, we drew an outside post because our filly does like to sort of have clear uh, free run. Um, I think early on in her career when she drew the rail, um, it was a bit tougher for her. She was just a little bit intimidated. I think she's, you know, matured a bit and gotten better since then. And she's able to overcome, um, you know, tougher trips like that. But she certainly appreciates being outside. So look, I think, you know, outside of the fact that Rosa might get a very easy lead, you know, we're going to run our race. And I would expect that, you know, Funny would break out of there better than she did last time. And, uh, you know, hopefully just sit right off and, you know, make a run. And if we're good enough, you know, get it done in the end. But um, I'm I'm very confident that uh, that Katie will make the right decisions. I, I candidly don't even think that Ray will give her too many instructions. She knows the horse so well, so right. Um, it's it seems pretty straightforward. There's nothing you can do about the fact that Rose's low in speed. We just have to kind of run our race and hope that it's good enough and hope that you know it works out. One thing I noticed that made me um, pleased for Funny House chances was just looking at the the horses that have come back to run out of the last race and just seeing neither one won, but know it all. Audrey ran an improved speed figure, and uh, and Honey Money ran well too, improving the figure by by considerable, like plus thirteen on the buyer scale. Um, that made me think that's a pretty good race, and and that eighty six, if it's if it's not, I mean, 86, the accurate 86 puts you in the mix here. And if it's anything, it might be a little bit low. How much do you pay attention to the form of the, your, your horse's last races? No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm big from a handicapping perspective at kind of looking at, you know, whether races were good or not. I mean, I think that's, um, you know, that's honestly probably one of my top two or three, you know, handicapping angles. So I certainly look at it from a racing perspective. Um, you know, the form of her races have been really good. Um, you know, she has the 86 top, as you said, from a buyer perspective, um, she has a bit higher on a uh, higher thoroughgraph figure, you know, so look at that sort of stuff as well. To me, the key with this filly is, you know, she's won five in a row. That's never easy to do. Um, it's especially not easy to do when you're going up the class ladder, um, you know, each race. And, you know, look, all horses have ceilings um, and this one will have a ceiling too. The, the fun thing about her is that we haven't found that yet. You know, she won the last race so impressively after breaking poorly. And, you know, she beat some nice horses. You mentioned a couple that have come out of the race, well. you know, but she beat Betsy blue and Bankston, who are really nice New York red stakes horses, um, who've had some success against open company as well. And, you know, look, she, she did it, um, the way you'd want to see any or any horse that you own do it, you know, with the trouble that she had winning by four going away at the end and, you know, Katie not having to use the stick once in the lane was, you know, was impressive to see. So look, she's going to have to get better in this race for sure, because, um, you know, Rosa's in fine form and has the pace advantage and, you know, the two horses to the inside um, past the champagne and gerrymander are certainly very classy horses. Um, but when you have a horse like this, that's done it five times in a row going up the class ladder, you know, getting better each time, you know, it gives you a good amount of confidence that, you know, I know she's going to run her race and I know she's going to run, um, I, I think she's going to run a better race than she's ever run in her life. The question will just be, is, is that good enough against, you know, a horse like gerrymander or past the champagne or a horse that's in such good form like Rosa Veloce? How do you evaluate a runner like past the champagne? I, I have my, my two uh, Homer rooting interests in here with both funny how and past the champagne. I felt like there were excuses for the last day. Um, are, are you, you scared of her in here as a potential, uh, uh, one to, uh, 
be a major threat to your chances? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit mixed on past the champagne, to be honest. I mean, I, I actually I better in the Ashland. I, I've always really liked the horse. Um, that was a, a tough beat that day. That um, you know, she did everything but win. Yeah. Um, you know, t- to me, you know, she her race um, in January at Tampa um, was very good. Um, I know she didn't win that day, but to come off the long layoff, to go the mile in a 16th and to just kind of get caught at the end, I thought she ran re- really well that day. If she runs that kind of race, I think she's super live, uh, you know, in a spot like this against, you know, this field. I know that the horse that won that day and the horse that finished third aren't, you know, household names, but they're, they were two horses that were in very good form down there and they've been running very good speed figures themselves. Um, so I thought that was a really good race. I, I was a bit disappointed in her, uh, her in her Fritchie last out. You know, I thought that, you know, she did everything the right way throughout the, the general running of the race. And then when it came for her, time for her to go by, I just thought to, she just didn't look great down the lane. You know, she was kind of all over the track going inside and outside and things like that. And then, you know, you look at it, she comes out of that race and they send her back down to Florida and she doesn't work back for another month. Um, and, you know, her, her work pattern obviously is a bit spotty. You know, she's a five-year-old that's only run seven times. She has got two long layoffs. Um, I think the question with her is just, you know, do they have her right physically, I guess, um, you know, going into this race um, to run the type of race she ran first off the bench. Um, I, you know, from a handicapping or a betting perspective at a low price point, I probably wouldn't, um, you know, lean too heavily on her just because I do think that there's some questions with that, you know, with those layoffs, with the 30 days between the last race and the first work back and the spotty work pattern and things like that. Um, but certainly from an ownership perspective, she terrifies me because if she does run her big race, she can win. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's move on. We could spend even more time talking about this race. It's fun getting into it on such a granular level. But let's talk about uh, let's talk about the horse that I'm have a particular interest in in the uh, in the last Gem Mint Ten making the return to the races. And uh, this one, this is interesting. You and I had spoken about this after the last. If 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 you know we were just sort of theoretically talking about dirt versus turf for this one what ultimately led to the decision to to take a shot on the turf yeah look i mean this is uh it's an interesting horse right because we have very high expectations for this horse based on what he shows in the morning i mean he's he's been a very good workhorse in the morning um he's beaten a lot of you know good company in the morning in terms of his his works and things like that he trains like a nice horse he moves very well over the track Um, You know, he's a nice looking animal. If you see him in the paddock, you'll see what I mean, you know, tomorrow. And, uh, you know, he just, you know, he he has the look of a horse that you expect big things from. Um, He just hasn't quite been able to put that together in the afternoon. Um, I thought his first start was okay, sprinting, you know, on a muddy sealed track. Um, He kind of ran in spots in that race. Um, And, you know, we thought just based on looking at the horse physically and how he ran there, he kind of re-rallied a bit at the end and galloped out really big we thought you know maybe go a little bit longer with him you know if that would make sense um you know we did that last time he just didn't quite um you know seem to have um you know the, the want or the desire to go that far so we are shortening him back up here he's he's bred from a female family perspective um to be a turf horse um and sometimes like you'll see this a lot um i talked to ray and you know, some of our other trainers about this a lot, like you'll see horses that move very well, that work very well in the morning on dirt. Um, but then when it comes time to do the real running, they just kind of spin their wheels a little bit. And he, he kind of has that look to him a little bit. And that combined with the fact that, you know, he does have some grass pedigree on the female side, um, you know, just led us to think, let's, let's try him on the turf and see, you know, if maybe that surface is more uh, aligned with what he wants to do. 
Um, you know, the other angle with turf obviously is, you know, this is a horse that has some speed, but he, he doesn't necessarily like uh, a need the lead or, or a, a to the lead type sprinter naturally, you know, he, he, he probably on, on a dirt surface wants to sit just off of it, you know, perhaps by trying him on turf, um, you know, he could, you know, get to the lead or get closer to the lead in a little bit of an easier fashion than on dirt. You know, dirt's kind of a war of attrition, turf a little bit easier early on horses. And then, you know, you ask them to finish at the end. So look, I think from a pedigree perspective, I think from a running style perspective and just, you know, this horse has done too, too, too well in the morning to not be uh, at least a decent, nice horse. Um, You know, we're, we're trying some new things here to, to see what works. The turf is obviously one part of it. Um, we did put the blinkers on as well, just because, you know, he is a bit green in his races, you know, Katie and Dylan, both when they got off of him kind of said, you know, he's in terms of running in spots, he's just kind of in and out of the bridle a bit. He just doesn't quite, hasn't quite figured it out yet in terms of what he's supposed to be doing in the afternoon. So, you know, Ray put the blinkers on in his training after the last race, he's trained really well in them. He's worked in them. And that's another angle as well. So look, I mean, we're, we're changing a lot with this horse, you know, race to race, you know, shortening from a mile to the sprint yeah. distance, putting the blinkers on and, you know, look, hopefully we, weather-wise we stay on the turf and he gets to run on the turf. So, you know, we're trying a lot with him, but I, I think, you know, he's a horse at some point, um, you know, whether it's this race or down the line, the, the light bulb's going to kind of click on and, and he's going to show, you know, the ability that he has. Cause you, you rarely get horses that do this well in the morning that, that don't, you know, at least turn into decent runners in the afternoon. So I, I've still got pretty high hopes for him. Yeah, and I wouldn't give up on the dirt either. I mean, I, I do think that there's an argument that just sort of the luck of the way the trip worked out last time maybe ended up uh, on the wrong part of the the track and, and was that led to some of that late wheel spinning. So it's, it seems like a great experiment, but a horse that, you know, is just still trying to find himself. From a handicapping point of view, who do you see as the main threats in the nightcap at Aqueduct tomorrow? And then we'll get down to Keeneland for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, look, I certainly think that Todd's horse uh, has a good chance in there. I thought his first race was really good, um, you know, finishing ahead back of Dr. Kraft, who's come back to to run very well. I think he finished third in a stake after that and then ran second in an allowance race. So that, that form's held up pretty good. Electric Stuff came back to finish second in a maiden special weight, too. So, you know, his last race was a bit perplexing. He did kind of get dueled on the lead a bit. He was inside. Maybe he got a little bit intimidated and just kind of spit it at the end. Um, the sec, the, the horse that finished second though, was kind of the horse that was dueling him from the outside and he ran on, you know, even though he got beat, um, by 19 oysters by a lot, you know, he was still second in there and too clear of the rest of the field. So a little bit of a question mark. I don't know that, you know, from a handicapping or a betting perspective that I could take this horse, you know, at the odds that he's going to be, um, but he's certainly very logical in terms of a price, uh, in this race, I I thought it would be interesting to look at the four, the first time starter for Dave Donk, Malibu mystery, um, Donk's okay with first time starters. Um, Donk's had a, a good start to 2023. You know, this horse has a, a pretty fast gate work on the tab on March 17th, where he went 47 and two from the gate. And, you know, I like to look, you know, for first time starters, I like to look, you know, to see if precocity runs in the family and the dam one first time out, um, two of the siblings, one, uh, first time out, another one, one second time out. And then another sibling was like second by a nose. Um, first time out. So there's a lot of precocity in the family. Um, the horse is eight to one on the morning line. I would definitely, you know, take a look if you're playing like the late doubles with the funny how race, I would take a look and see kind of how that's paying. Take a look at sort of the early odds board for this horse. I just thought he was interesting uh, at eight to one in a race where honestly, I think it's pretty wide open. You know, there's a lot of horses that I could see winning this race. And, you know, as we kind of talked a little bit about in the beginning, this race could potentially be dirt or turf. 
um, you know, depending on the weather that we get today. So um, I think it's wide open on both surfaces. If it goes uh, to dirt, I, I also kind of like the 11 a little bit, um, the main track only, Storm the Empire. Um, I thought that horse's last race in October uh, of his two-year-old year was pretty good. The form of that's come back good. I thought he was, you know, good speed and fade that day. And, you know, with some time off for a trainer that can, you know, win off of a layoff, um, you know, in a scramble like this, it could good odds like the 12 to one morning line that he has. I thought he was interesting too. So this would be a race. Like if I was handicapping it and playing it from that perspective, I would probably try to try to find a price or two. Cause I do think it's, it's pretty wide open. Yeah. I hear you. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with the weather. What's your, what I'll, I'll make you be a meteorologist here for a second. What, what are you guessing? What, what's the latest, how, how much do you follow? I assume obsessively and, uh, and, and what do you think's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, eighty percent showers today—that's uh, not great. No, nah, yeah, I've, I've I've worn out my weather app for sure. I would I I, I would hate to look at uh, you know the iPhone usage by app. I, the weather app would be would be far too high. I would imagine on a percentage basis of what I look at. But um, no, I mean, look, I think it's supposed to rain. You know, potentially this afternoon, and for us, we have a horse in the last at at, uh, at Aqueduct today as well. Um, so I'm keeping an eye on that for that horse. And then also, obviously, as it relates to what they do on Friday, I mean, look, it's the first day of turf racing in New York. This was a race that they actually split. They got 18 horses geared yeah. for turf. I don't think they wanted to run, you know, uh, an extra turf race on opening day, you know, on that turf course, you know, the day before the wood card, you know, they probably want to keep it in good shape. So, you know, my sense is it'll be more quick to pull it off than not. So I think we need, uh, we, we need, we need very little rain today. Um, you know, hopefully to keep it on. Um, it seems about 50, 50, whether that's going to happen. It's gotten forecast has gotten a little bit better in the last 24 hours, it seems, but you know, you never know. Any chance we'd scratch if it comes off or do you think you'd, you'd take that one more shot with the blinkers going shorter? Yeah, no, look, I think to your point, I, I, I'm not giving up on this horse on dirt. He works too well on it. I just think we're going to try the turf just given the pedigree and some of the stuff we talked about before. If this race comes off the, the turf and they run it on dirt, um, you know, he'll 100% stay in there and run. Yeah. Um, and it'll be a faster surface. It's, you know, I don't think it's a matter of it being like a wet track tomorrow or right. not. It's more just are they going to bring it, you know, take it off or, or leave it on, um, you know, given the fact that it's, you know, the first day of racing on the turf in New York. But yeah. uh, he'll, he'll stay on for sure. Cool. Good to know. All right, let's zip out to Keeneland, and we're going to start. We'll, we'll we'll talk about the fifth race, the Adelphi race, and then we'll we'll do a quick breeze through the stakes races. But you've got this very salty three-year-old uh, Philly allowance race going six and a half. What was your reaction upon seeing this uh, th- this field? You know what? It's it's funny because originally we were trying to run this horse in New York. Um, they had basically the same race, a first level allowance carded for the same day in New York, but you, you entered on Sunday for the New York race and entered on Tuesday for the Kentucky race. And I think they got like two horses in New York. <laughs> um, so we, we, and we kind of knew going in just, you know, the scuttlebutt was that race in New York was going to be tough to fill. So we, we kind of pointed, um, you know, trainer Rob Falcone was, was on that and, uh, kind of pointed to, uh, to, to run in the horse in Kentucky. Um, but I certainly didn't expect when they could you know, they couldn't get more than two horses in New York for it to be a full field plus, uh, you know, four A's, um, you know, there. So I, I was kind of surprised that it was a full field. I wasn't surprised that there were some quality horses in there because it's just it's a natural prep point for like the eight bells or races like that, um, you know, which is kind of, you know, what we're what we're trying to do with this filly is right. you know shortening, shortening her back up. Uh, you know, running here. And if she runs, you know, a really good race in here, then, you know, it puts her on target to run in a race like that. So I, I thought there would be a couple of, 
you know, sort of stakes quality fillies that targeted this race as a prep for, you know, one of those kinds of races. So I wasn't surprised by the quality, um, but certainly the quantity was, uh, was a bit of a surprise given the, uh, the issues we had in New York filling the race. What does this race go run for in New York? What's the purse wise? Yeah, you know what? This time of year, I think it was eighty-two thousand. Um, okay. You know, so look, significantly. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Kentucky bred, obviously, like a big chunk of the Kentucky money, you have to be a Kentucky bred. Most of these horses are. You know, if you're a Kentucky bred, you're running for significantly more money there, um, for sure. So I'm sure that had you know something to do with it. I, I, look, obviously, as well, you know, winning a race at Keeneland, people want to do. Um, it's you know, I, I love the Big A. Um, don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, I, I would imagine more people want to win a race at Keeneland than. You know, they want to win a race in April at, at Aqueduct too. So it I'm is sure the sports headquarters, and that means that means something <laughs> for yeah. sure. Were you surprised uh, Nick made you the the morning line favorite in this spot? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I looked at the race originally, and I actually, you know, and again, I'm biased, but I, I was a little bit more concerned with it at first, and then as I kind of dug into some of these horses a bit more, I actually thought that we looked a bit better. Um, you know, to me, I, I, I kind of pegged her at four to one, nine to two. I thought that would be fair. Um, but you know, when you have Irad Ortiz on your horse, I think that's yep. probably good for a that's point. part of it, you know, and, and, um, you know, to see Irad hop on her, uh, obviously is a, uh, you know, a, a good, uh, sign that, um, you know, that, that, uh, you know, people like the horse. So I, I I'm, I'm pretty confident, um, you know, in her, um, you know, as confident as you can be in a lightly raced horse. I mean, she's only run twice. I do think she had excuses last time. I mean, it probably was a bit further than she wanted to go. You know, you, when you have a filly that's going to be the morning line favorite for a race that essentially gets you into the Oaks, you kind of have to take that shot. Um, and I think that combined with the surface, she just, you know, didn't seem to like the surface based on Trevor McCarthy's feedback, yeah. um, you know, probably put her behind the eight ball a bit. I think short, shortening up here, um, you know, getting an outside post, um, outside-ish post in a large field, um, I, I, and hopefully on a dry, fast track, I think she'll be, you know, she'll be very salty in here to, to me. I mean, I, I think her maiden win was really good. Um, came back fast on buyer, you know, rags, thoroughgraphs, et cetera. The horse that finished second, is actually a nice filly that Ray Handel has, um, that came back to win impressively running away in a maiden special weight last time is running her in the gazelle, uh, on Saturday. Um, so I thought the form of that race was flattered there. Um, I, I think just shortening her up, getting her into a, back onto a fast track, um, you know, she's going to, you know, she's going to show her stuff. Hopefully, you know, you just never know with, you know, horses that have only run once or twice, sure. you know, there's just that, that level of, uh, you know, unpredictability, but I'm expecting a big race for her. Lots of questions, but Zirati, certainly the eight runner goes with a very big chance. Who are you the most concerned about? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm concerned about horses like Positino Sunset. I mean, that's a filly that's, you know, done well sprinting, um, obviously stretched out the last time and, and now shortens up again. Um, although, you know, when I kind of dug into her form a little bit, you know, someone had to be second to Julia Shining, you know, in her right. second lifetime start. I, I didn't think that she beat much, you know, after that. And then, you know, she got a big buyer speed figure in her maiden breaking win, but I didn't think the field was, was you know, a field of killers. So, you know, I wasn't, you know, terribly concerned about that. Um, Half a chance was a horse that, you know, I thought was somewhat interesting just because I thought the first two horse, the first two races of her career were really good. Um, You know, she got beat by Carrie uh, at the end of uh, her debut on the turf at Belmont. And, you know, Carrie hasn't necessarily turned into a a killer herself, but I know that she was, 
you know, very well thought of by the Clements, very fast. Philly, um, you know, just has some some mental things that probably held her back a bit, but she was very talented. So I thought that second place finish first time out. And then, you know, the win um, first time dirt after that at Saratoga, where she beat, you know, chocolate gelato and a few other nice horses like, you know, that that those were were, were quality, uh, you know, form lines that she kept there. Obviously, she has the long layoff and then she has a bit of a clunker at Turfway. You know, you never know with Turfway if, uh, you know, how much of that's just the randomness of Turfway or, you know, perhaps this is a filly that, you know, was really good as an early two-year-old and just had an issue and hasn't come back to that. She's also seemingly a need-the-lead type and this race, you know, came up with a lot of speed. So I actually honestly wouldn't be surprised to see her you know, maybe scratch out of this spot to try to find another one. Interesting. Um, you know, so, so there, you know, there are horses like that. And then obviously Peacock Alley's nine to two. Um, she was visually very impressive, but I just, I, I didn't think that her, you know, the, the form of that race was all that, all that impressive. Um, you know, but again, she did it very nicely and she's a second time starter. She did it from off the pace. You know, she stalked and, and pounced in that race. And that's probably a good style for a race like this that has a lot of speed. I'm, I'm hoping maybe we get a uh, maybe maybe what I was just saying about uh, half a chance is more hopeful thinking. You know, hopefully we get a scratch or two from the speed perspective, because I do think we're going to be up and on it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I so, so I guess what I'm saying is, is you know, in terms of the, the logical contenders, I, 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 you know, I'm obviously concerned about all of them. But, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily be running to bet them. Um, I, I liked. Uh, you know, a couple of horses at, at a bit of a price in here. I thought Black Forest was interesting. Um, you know, to me, this is a value horse in this race at a 10 to 1 morning line. Um, you know, she's off a layoff, but the trainer does well with those layoffs. You get to Tory. Um, you know, she's very seasoned. She's run seven times in a race that, you know, looking at a horse like us, this is our third lifetime start. Um, you know, and she has a lot of seconds, but the horses that she's lost to are very nice horses. I mean, she lost to Wonder Wheel. Um, she lost a key of life. Both those horses would be very short odds here. Um, and she was close to both. Um, you know, she's one on the track and, you know, she, she has won at a slightly further distance on this track at seven furlongs. So it seems that she should be able to get the six and a half. Um, I guess the question for her is, does she need the lead to win? And there yes. is a lot of speed in here. Um, but I thought 10 to one was a pretty fair price on her. And then, you know, I thought the six was kind of interesting too. Um, I, I, I thought more so just had the running style for a race like this. It was yeah. another one of those that projects probably to sit off the pace and make a run if it's too, too fast. Um, so I just thought she was, she was a bit interesting. Um, so, so to me, you know, if I was betting it, um, I would, uh, you know, I would probably lean more to prices. Um, I like our horse, um, and you know, I'm probably against a couple of the other logicals is kind of. Eight with three six is what I'm hearing when you as you as you talk it through, and I think you probably got to feel good about having uh, uh, Erad on there in this spot just because it is a uh, it's a tricky it's a tricky ride just with you know potentially other speed not just inside of you but outside of you. But you know, hey, the hands you're in, I I, I think you just you 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 know you're going to be somewhere up there in the vanguard. I'm I'm guessing you're hoping for stalk and pounce as opposed to trying to bury the field though. No, I mean, look, she's, she's fast. Um, you know, I, I know her, her, uh, you know, her, her early speed figures aren't necessarily indicative of, uh, you know, being the speed of the speed in here, but she's, she's a fast Philly. Uh, I, I would not be surprised if we're on or near the lead um, to your point though. Um, you know, I, I rad's the best jockey in the game, so he's going to do the right thing, I'm sure. And, uh, look, this is a talented Philly. If, if, uh, you know, if we get unlucky in terms of the pace scenario, we get unlucky in terms of the pace scenario. There's not, you know, not much you can do about that. 
Um, I, I do think she's going to, you know, pop out of there and, you know, she does her best running, uh, you know, kind of on or near and um, I'd expect her to be there. Let's move on quickly now to uh, some thoughts on the stakes races, starting off with uh, race number seven, the Lafayette, another race where I thought there could be a potentially plenty of pace signed on. I wanted to try to make a little bit of a wise guy case for a horse I think is going to be um, six or eight or 10 to one in here. The two runner Lugan Knight, who I think is really interesting on the cutback because this is one I could just remember from um, January 7th. I wasn't there, but just seeing on TV looked like one who I, I was sort of surprised. Just looked like a horse that wanted to go shorter, showed she could get, or excuse me, he could get the mile that day. And uh, now getting the cutback, I think will be off all this pace. I thought this was an interesting potential upsetter in this in this spot because the theoretically faster horses like Hijazi and Corona Bolt might just hook up on the front end. But how did you see it? No, I mean, I think we're very similar here. I, I, I agree with you. I think this projects to be a really fast pace. Um, and so I was, you know, and, and on top of that, you know, I think all of the horses that are, you know, sort of the speed horses, Corona Bolt, um, you know, Golfport and Hijazi, you know, they're all nice horses. I had a hard time kind of picking between them. And so, you know, the way I wanted to kind of play it was more akin to what you were, were trying to do, which is to try to find a horse that maybe would come off of it and appreciate the cutback. Um, so I thought Lugan Knight or the four determinedly um, made a lot of sense, um, you know, if you could get, you know, six to one plus on either of them. Right. I like the sound of that. We'll try the we'll try the pace play there in the Lafayette and we'll move along to some graded stakes action. The traditional opening day feature for the three year old Colts on the turf, the Transylvania We're going a mile and a 16th here. And we have uh, an interesting combination of some old friends and and then that horse that was, uh, you know, almost broke the tote board with how much they, they bet him uh, the other day at Gulfstream with the Caddyshack themed name, which I'm sure is after your heart with your Goodfellas themed name running tomorrow. But we've got that we've got the Carl Spackler as uh, the presumptive favorite in this spot. Who did you like in the Transylvania? I love Carl Spackler. Um, to me, this race is Carl Spackler. I mean, I I, I, I couldn't go really any deeper than that. Um, I thought the first race of this horse's career was phenomenal. I think Farbridge is a freak. Yeah. Um, and this horse ran that horse like to, you know, as close to, uh, to winning as possible, um, you know, in that spot and then came back to demolish uh, a maiden special weight field at uh, Gulfstream. I mean, I, I guess, you know, the outside post maybe is a, a bit of a question mark. That was my next question. Does that give you any concern, especially if they tilt the board once again on this one? Look, I don't think you'll get it, but if if you get the three to one morning line on this horse, I mean, this horse has won from the eight hole and the nine hole before, you know, I don't, I don't love the post, but I don't hate it. And I just think this horse is, is much the best um, in this race. So if I got anywhere close to three to one, um, you know, I'd have to, to probably add some money to my ADW account. And, <laughs> um, I, I love this horse, uh, you know, on, on Friday. A simple one for you. I'm interested in my old pal and the winner is maybe back in this spot. And I'm just sort of overlooking the the fairgrounds race just because we know all the trouble they had with the, with the turf down there. And I just feel like on his best bits of form with his experience, I'm such a sucker for this pedigree. And, you know, 
one effect of Carl Spackler being out there, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but this is another pace that could end up mm-hmm. heating up. And, and I mean, if the, and if the 12 to one is accurate, I would be interested in casting in my lot with, with, and the winner is here and maybe playing some exactas with Carl Spackler. Do you give him any consideration and the winner is? Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's a bit of a broken record after the last race, but that was kind of my, my long shot horse that I would throw in there. And it was for most of the same reasons you articulated. I, you know, I do think that this is another race where there's a lot of pace. Um, I, you know, from my perspective, you know, Carl Spackler should sit a nice trip just off yeah. the pace. Um, and I think get first run. And I, I do think that horse is better than, and the winner is. But out of, you know, all the other horses based on the morning line prices, um, you know, based on how I think this race is going to be run, uh, you know, I think 12 to one on a horse like that, that has some back form that should be doing a lot of running at the end, you know, into a fast pace uh, makes a lot of sense. Long time listeners could probably quote my opinion of the Ashland before I say it, as we get this uh, fantastic grade one action for the three-year-old Phillies going a mile in the 16th and a key pointer for the Kentucky Oaks. But I've been, you know, basically lining up to, to uh, try to beat the uh, Wonder Wheel and Julia Shining in their in their starts this year and Punch Bowl just this is very uh, me kind of look hot trainer with a pace advantage in the fastest numbers I'm having trouble seeing by Punch Bowl in this spot tell me what you think of the Ashland I'm a little scared that we agree so much uh, <laughs> usually on this show that's a good thing I'll say okay. in history, right. that's a good it's not the two sometimes it does happen where there's just too much weight on their back but usually we do okay with the with the agreement is that where you are here too yeah I mean look I think in terms of the two horses that you're against um I'm a little bit less against Wonder Wheel maybe than you are um I am against Julia Shining um but I just really like Punch Bowl I mean I think if you look at that horse's debut um it was ultra impressive, um, you know, to have the trouble that she had and to still beat that field. I mean, the the second place horse came back to break her maiden impressively. The third place horse, um, you know, came back to break her maiden impressively and then uh, was sold privately. Um, I think to your friends, friends over at Black Type, there are friends right. and she ran great last week in the Gulfstream Park Oaks, finishing second in there. Um, you know, the form of that race was just really, really good. There were a couple of other fillies that came out of there that are nice as well. And then, you know, her second lifetime start, you know, stretching out was no problem. She did it, you know, very nicely. Um, I, my sense is this is probably Brad Cox's best filly. And, you know, if I could bet Brad Cox's best filly is not the morning line favorite, I'm going to probably, you know, lean on doing that most of the time. And, um, you know, so I really liked her. I thought if you wanted to try to find a price, um, I don't know necessarily to win, but maybe to kind of get second or third in here. I thought the one was a little bit interesting. Um, you know, the last race, she had a lot of trouble breaking from the gate. She actually hit the rail. Um, she unfortunately breaks from the rail here as well. So that's something she'll have to contend with. But, you know, if you look at her, you know, her races on dirt, other than that, um, you know, there's no, uh, you know, re- real, uh, it's not a bad thing that she lost to uh, to Baffert's horse twice. You know, she beat a couple of other nice fillies in those races. I think Justique's a pretty nice filly. Um, you know, I'd give her a chance to rebound if you get anywhere close to that 12 to 1 morning line. I, I guess I am concerned that the problem she had last time was breaking in and hitting the rail and she draws the one hole again here. But, um, you know, she seems like one that's going to be running at the end and at a price. I like the idea um, as a potential exact a partner for Punchbowl. Well, Matt, this was so fun. It's great getting your perspective and the way that you look at things. We got to have you back on to do some capping, and we wish you Godspeed this weekend. So many live chances, 
and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll be we'll be sending some boom texts and stuff like that along the way. And in any case, we will be talking soon. Really appreciate you taking your time and sharing your insights with us tonight. Always fun to join you, Pete. Hopefully, uh, you know, considering how aligned we are on the uh, on the handicapping, hopefully it's a lucky weekend for both of us. And and definitely do your uh, do your anti rain dance if you will. <laughs> I'll get it going. I'll get it. I want it. Well, we, it would be interesting. It would be good information to get at this point in the season. How the, how this guy wants to work on the on the on the, how he wants to do on the turf. We'll get it. We'll we'll know a lot more one way or the other very very soon. Matt, thank you so much. Just remind folks. One more time of uh, of the website and the social stuff for Adelphi Racing Club, and, and I'll just you know endorse the fantastic job you do. One more time, yeah. So if you want to reach out to us, um, you know, feel free to uh, go to our website adelphiracing.com. Um, definitely just reach out to me directly via email, Matt at adelphiracing.com. That's M A T T at adelphiracing.com. Um, all one word, Adelphi Racing there. And then, uh, you know, Twitter's probably the best place to find us, put the most uh, stuff up on there. And we're at Adelphi Club on Twitter, all one word, at Adelphi Club. A must follow, I would say, for racing fans. Definitely check it out. Matt, we'll be talking soon. Really appreciate you, my man. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, Pete. We'll thank Matt one more time. And we'll thank our... uh, we're going to thank our friends at the Delphi Racing Club in general. Most of all, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. We'll be back with a whole bunch of stuff for Saturday. We've got a loaded lineup. We're going to have Steve Christ talking about Wood Memorial Day, Duke Matisse for Santa Anita. Um, Nick and I will be tackling Keeneland. You're going to want to check out all those shows. Please check out our YouTube channel. In the Money Media. Subscribe to the In the Money Media Black Feed wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos.